Hello and welcome to the Scottish Music Centre's very first series of podcasts where myself, Keith Beattie, will interview Scottish music industry figures and have a chat to find out more about them. We're delighted to firstly have David Kilbert from Help Musicians. How are you doing, David? Very well, Keith. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure, David. And um, I've explained to you already about these podcasts. The idea is to interview people who are working in the Scottish music industry, have a chat with them, find out more about how they got involved and the job they're in, the many different careers that they've been involved in, and sort of shed some light on the different ways into these jobs, and also how you find yourself working in the environment we're now in, in this lockdown through the coronavirus. So how did you get into music in the first place, David? Uh, I, I never really had, like, when I left school, I left school at 16, and I was a, I was a postman for five years. Uh, I just had no interest in school, I just wanted to go out and work but you know uh, in that time I'm still quite I was a 16 I managed to kind of buy a guitar and then that just kind of consumed my spare time was learning how to play it I got some lessons off my cousin-in-law who's now my cousin-in-law and then you start to kind of meet up with some other friends who you knew were into music and then you start jamming together and learning how to use a rehearsal room you know what I mean so I've done like you go to a rehearsal room, you don't, you don't know how to work a PA. <laughs> don't know, you probably work a few of them in, in my spare time, in my time. Um, so that that was the kind of start of my journey, kind of going into music. And then I started uh, just kind of, you know, making, jamming, kind of, into kind of, kind of heavier music. And then it was back in the days where you had to put a sign up in McCormack's or something. Control, and that's how in Drum Central and all the drum shops, and that's how I kind of found the band I ended up kind of doing a wee bit with. And then, kind of at the time when I was a postman, I kind of started like just not a good job. I didn't, I just thought people need to slight on postman, but I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. I was wanting more, so I decided to kind of go to John Wheatley College, it's, I think it's called Classical Kelvin College now, uh, which just up the road phase where I was staying, and it was. Um, I've done a sound engineering, sound production course there, and that just really opened up a while with like this other kind of world of kind of working in music, and it was good because you could learn to kind of work and cooperate what you were learning on your course with your own band and stuff. So that's how I kind of got started into music, and then as as the college course went on, and like year two platform had just opened up, and I started volunteering there, and that led to like doing techie work, sound, sound engineering stuff, and then helping in, in music projects and stuff like that, and then that just kind of led me into... So I actually started to get some kind of good paid work while still studying, and then still doing the, the whole kind of band thing as well. That's the kind of genesis of it. And was there one thing that sort of made you change your mind and, and go from being in a band and playing in a band to sort of what to manage acts and and look into sort of developing acts? Was this one thing that changed it? Um, I'd always been, in, in the band that I found myself in, it's interesting, everybody kind of falls into natural roles, I feel. So some people are maybe good at kind of, you know, doing artwork or whatever. Or I, was, I was always the one sorting out the band practices, talking to promoters and chatting to other bands. And then when you start your college course, you go, oh, that's quite working. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I can I can network. That's right. I can do that. Um, so it was really just you, you assume that kind of role just 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 by doing like I said doing the band thing, and then 
you could probably touch on it later, but I had a studio and there was a band there that was doing pretty well and kind of asked me to kind of help them because they wanted somebody they could, they said we need somebody we can kind of trust. I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not married to anybody. And then they just said, well, the fact is they felt there was a, a level of trust there. So I then started, you know, learning really on 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 the job as you were starting to like chat to potential record labels and then you start to figure out, all right, this is where all the, you start to learn, you know, um, what publishers are and, and what's, what different, how they kind of, the, the, the mechanics of the music industry kind of works. You start to learn about the conferences and get yourself to like the great escapes and the things and just kind of getting out, kind of connecting with folks. So that's, that's how I kind of just, a band asked me one day, just, can you, can you help us? And, at first, I didn't really know if I could, but then I just thought I'd get a try, and that's led to me kind of still kind of doing that, actually. And when we first met, um, you had just set up a, a brave, massive venture, a big studio called Creation Studios, just round in the Trongate from where we were in the Scottish Music Centre in Candlerigs. So tell me more about that. How did that sort of come about? How did you, you get into setting up a, a huge studio in Glasgow, in the centre of Glasgow? I think because it goes back to kind of college. I was in my last, I was in my last year in my HND, so I'd moved for John Wheatley to during the last year at Stowe College, and then we were getting a lot of you know people from the different really good universities, you know like Cali Uni, UWS, the guys up at Aberdeen were coming in and were pitching their courses to the students because it's a natural progression for students to go and do their degree. <clears throat> and like I'd said before, I was already kind of working in music. And then I just started with my band on some stints there in, in, in Europe and stuff. And then I was, like I said, I'm still kind of working in music, getting singing gigs and teaching regularly. And I was just kind of like, I don't know if I can really be bothered doing, doing a degree. And it's nice, like, against folk doing a degree, the courses are brilliant. I kind of actually, you bet me wishes I'd, I'd still kind of done that. But I was, um, I just kind of, I don't really want to do this. And there was a guy in my course who was a wee bit older than us, and we'd kind of been making, became friends in kind of the second year and worked on a bunch of youth music projects together. We were just chatting one day and I just said, I don't know if I'm going to, like, I don't know if I want to go and do this degree. And he said he didn't want to do it either. And I just said, well, I said, I've got this band that I'm wanting to do, but I said, what if we opened, like, a rehearsal room and a studio in it and we could incorporate some of the stuff that we're doing in the music projects and just kind of try and make it work like that. So that was the kind of initial... That's kind of where that kind of started, and then what we did as part of our, our project, there's a thing called at the time it was a graded unit, and then what we done was we done a business plan on on what the studio would look like, and then what I'd started doing is I started going and trying to raise money in that. So the print went to like the Prince's Trust and stuff, and they were saying like, uh, "That was really interesting, but you shouldn't. We can't give you money. Come and speak to us when you're your student." And I was like, "Cool." Uh, so I went. I finished. I finished my course. I loved my time at Stowe, it was, it was brilliant, and I loved my time at John Wheatley as well. Uh, and then when we left, we just started, we just took our business plan, and then um, we went to the bank, went to the Prince's Trust, and then we'd raised a bit of money. And I remember going out to my mum's with a suit on, and put my business plan on the table, and I've just raised X amount of thousands of pounds, and I'm going to open a studio in the town. She was like, what? <laughs> she was just like... It was just like, what? Well, right, I just went and done that. And then I remember the day we came out the bank, 
It was literally either the next day or literally a few days after the world ended financially, financial crisis. And it was just like, oh. so everything was kind of, um, as you remember back then, it was a pretty mental time, economically. And then what would happen was there was this initiative called, at the time it was called the Merchant City Initiative, and there was this really like building at 16 Trongate. And they used to have these art exhibitions, and me and my business partner at the time we went in, we went, oh man, we could totally build a studio here, this is wild. It's a total, like, it's not, it's a, it's a fixer-upper man, but we could fix it up ourselves. And he, he was like the most handiest person who could build anything. Man, I was hopeless with all that stuff, but I've, I got all right with it eventually. I was made a like, tea maker and all that kind of stuff, but it was, uh, he was, he, like I said, he was probably kind of making like panels and all that type of stuff. So we approached the Merchant City Initiative and they said, all right, we can maybe help you pitch, pitch this to the council. So we then got the council out and then we took them round the building and they said, this is what we want to do with it. And then they said, they said right, okay, we'll give you uh, so many years in the lease and we'll give you like about six months rent free. Six months turned into a year, but I'll get to that. <laughs> it's like uh, they were just like so. We then started building up this kind of studio, but part of the condition was we had to put in like a new shop front, which the Mercer City Initiative gave us a grant today, so we raised a wee bit more money. So we then built this studio from scratch, like knocked down everything, built it all, got, um, and then just things just take when you start to go through that kind of council planning processes and you don't realise how long things take. And then the guys at the Merchant City Initiative were really good at helping us, you know, kind of help back for us, if you will, to, to get us in the building. So that's how that came about. It seems like through the years, uh, David, you've done so much. You've done all this sort of band stuff, the management stuff, the, now the teaching. I know you've done the thing over in Platform and you've done teaching in, in Mary Hill and set up a massive initiative there. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching young people music through guitar and all that as well. There is a is a part is your favourite. I like, I like teaching. Something I've done like since I was saying it in college. I really enjoy teaching people instruments. Um, it's a it's a real satisfaction when people that you see the penny drop and they start to get it and they start to make progress and then they come in here saying, "Oh, I learned this myself." That that's really rewarding and, and satisfying. You know, I really enjoy I really enjoy the teaching side of it. Uh, I quite enjoy the being involved in kind of managing stuff and, and helping release stuff like that. Uh, you've got the idea of you hear you hear like you're working with somebody and they play a song in acoustic and it's like you get really excited about that song and then a few months later it's out and other people are getting excited about it. That's quite a Enjoy that, and I quite enjoy the kind of sales part and kind of pitching artists to like different labels, and enjoy enjoy that chase chase aspect. Of it. So I, I like doing a, a few different things, but um, th- those are the things that kind of that I really enjoy doing. So stuff I kind of focus on. I guess the last thing I was going to ask was about the difference, the shift from working on these initiatives on your own into now working with Help Musicians Scotland, and the many things that, that they do and how that feels different for you anything you can tell us about them it's been um I th- when, the, when the role first started um when it was advertised it was uh, i was myself 
I was in with you guys, as you know, uh, for a few months, nearly a year, and it was really just about setting something up for scratch. So all my experience for before, like setting stuff, like projects up or setting a business up and, and how to set an office up, that was all stuff that really went, you know, in my favour when I went for the interview and stuff. So I found it quite a natural progression uh, um, to, to, to do it. Uh, and at that time, being in music, you know, I'd really understood the the funding landscape. You know, I'd done a bit of time at Coldplay's office and, I'd, like I said, I'd done with my own, my own work. We'd, we'd got some grant funding and stuff to do stuff for for different kind of community projects that we're involved in in Mary Hill or in the town. and So I really knew that world really well, but I also kind of knew the kind of commercial aspect to it. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of, that really helped me when I, I transitioned into this role. And then I kind of also knew the kind of landscape of the industry just because I'd been actively involved in it. So I found it quite a, a quite an easy, uh, easy kind of progression. And then the kind of role changed after the year when the Scotland team kind of uh, expanded and we started kind of you know doing more and stuff like that. But we we're always I was always part of this bigger organisation, and I, I, I quite I quite enjoy quite enjoy it. You're not as not as much as a a kind of lone wolf because when you when you're freelancing and you're doing doing stuff on your own, it, it can be quite lonely. And I think it, being a freelancer sometimes it can also be quite uh, testing. It's just like you know maybe a, a potential client or somebody not paying an invoice quick enough can totally knock your finances for that month way off and stuff. And so I kind of was ready to kind of put the freelancing world aside and start to work. And, and, and I'm really enjoying working for that bigger bigger cause. I also kind of said if I wasn't working for myself, I would try and work for something that was like a you know, something bigger than me, like a cause and... The cause that help musicians does is, you know, it's it's, it's really nice to be a party. Mm-hmm. As it's good to be part of a sort of team as well for support when you're working on something as well. I agree. Um, just so lastly, the sort of in terms of at this point, and I know there's the the mental health helpline. Help musicians mm-hmm. have got. Um, what sort of support is there for musicians in in terms of the mental health helpline, and also? In terms of this and the coronavirus thing, is that the things that you can we can put out there to that people could be aware yeah. of? Yeah, hundred percent. So we started a coronavirus uh, hardship fund, and we received over seventeen thousand applications. Um, so that's that's been really well. We've currently kind of closed that now. Um, we've started fundraising. Um, you've probably seen. Uh, a lot of stuff and the kind of the music media and stuff people at Amazon and Spotify and like that have really been great in, in helping raise kind of money for us there have been a lot of individuals starting to raise money so we're, we're going to fulfill everybody that's applied and who are eligible is going to get that kind of support we also started a website called coronamusicians.info that's actually updated daily uh, with all the different relevant information, not just for support that serve for help musicians, but we do it in partnership with the, the, the MU and um, and all the other type of support that's available for musicians is you know is on that site. Um, and then f- outside of the mental health support, so that's the mental health supports for anybody that's in the music industry can call that that number, and it's uh, it's and then the, the follow up support for musicians they can get. You know, help for a health and welfare service. So, if people are unable to work, 
due to kind of illness and stuff, we can help them with their kind of living costs. That's like your rent, uh, your food bills, the, the real nuts and bolts stuff that's going to stop somebody kind of falling into destitution. And then we can also help with, with medical treatment and, and stuff like that as well. That includes like even even kind of counselling. Um, and then for on the, we have this uh, side of the charity called uh, the Creative Programme, and that's all funding around your like, musician's career. So we've got something called the Transmission Fund, which is about kind of mentoring and, and upskilling as a musician. We've got the Fusion Fund, which is about you know research and development and collaboration with another discipline. And we've got Do It Differently, which is you know helping you know independent music makers kind of create and, and release music. And there was was support kind of for touring for that, but under the, the situation we've, we've kind of we've kind of had to kind of reimagine some of the kind of guidelines. So, for example, we've took out the tour support so people can just, you know, use that money for, you know, marketing or innovative ways to use technology to help reach and release the music other than kind of touring and stuff. Um, so that's that's the kind of the support there for how help musicians can, can help people. Excellent, excellent. Thanks for, for passing all that on. That's great information, David. Um, and lastly, how are you doing? Are you getting out? Are you managing to get a bit of exercise through the day? Or getting away from the computer? Yeah, I think that's something. Um, yeah, it's been, as you can imagine, I've been really working with the team on the hardship funds. Uh, so my kind of role is I work with our health and welfare team and I work with our creative team and I work with some of the the Scotland-specific kind of projects and stuff. But no, it's been, it has been really busy. Um, but, you know, it's been good because you're really seeing a difference and we're really helping folk. Uh, but on a personal level, yeah, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing okay. I don't, yeah, the, it's, it sucks that you can't go and visit your kind of family and stuff, but I'm probably in more group chats than I've ever been with my family and friends. Uh, I'm getting my... My government sanctioned early exercise, yes, yeah, so I like to get out on the bike for a wee bit. It's good. It's, that that kind of helps the the kind of social the kind of social distancing side of stuff. So no, I'm I'm, I'm doing okay, and it's uh, thanks for asking. And it's um, how how's things with you guys and stuff? Are you managing to get out on the bike or whatever? Yep, yep. I've got a, more, a wee morning run. Uh, I'll go out in my morning run and then come back and do some some weights in the house and then. Try and keep the kids occupied throughout the day. <laughs> I hats off to all the all the mads and dads out there, man. It's got a squad of wins in the house. Hats after them. Sure. Um, listen, thanks a lot, David, uh, for taking time to speak to me today and do this. I no problems. All right, all the best, man. Right, thanks, man.